Well, last week we talked about uh, we talked about five principles for a love that lasts, and we said that if we're going to leave the creator of relationships out of relationships, then the relationship is doomed to fail, right? I mean, it has to be built on God's foundation, right? And on the flip side, we said that you have a hundred percent, a one hundred percent chance of success in relationships, in marriage, if you do it God's way. So we, we have 100% chance of success when we do it the way the Lord has set up for us. Okay, and I want you to, I want you to take a look at something. Here's what we've got to do. If we want 100% chance, we have to do this. You have to let, in order for relationships to work, let the one who des- designed the relationship, that's God, let him define them. Let the one who designed relationships define the relationships. Can I get a witness? Amen. we got to let him tell us what it's all about. And God's word speaks about relationships, and he uses a word to kind of sum it up. And that word is covenant. If you were here last week, we talked, one of the points was a covenant relationship is a principle to have love that lasts. So we're not talking about casual commitment or like convenient or What's comfortable? No, we're talking about a covenant relationship. So it kind of reminds me of a story that I heard one time about a couple that that went to the doctor. The the husband was having just terrible symptoms. They go to the doctor, and uh, the doctor checks him out, and he pulls the wife aside. And he says, ma'am, I'm I'm sorry to tell you this, but your husband is suffering from one of the worst cases of stress I've ever seen in my life. If we don't do some corrections... He's going to die. And so the wife was like, oh, snap, man, what, what's going to, what do I do? So the husband, or the doctor says, you, you've got to prepare a, a full-fledged breakfast for him every morning. I'm talking bacon, eggs, grits, sausage gravy, and biscuits. I mean, you, you, you've got to do the works. Don't, don't make him decide. Just put it on the table and let him choose, man. You just go all out. And then after breakfast, don't ask him to do anything. Don't harp on him about not having a job. Just don't, don't do any of that. Just, just let him go. Let him relax. He, he, needs to, he needs to just recoup. And come lunchtime, you need to just feed him like a prince. I meant salad, uh, just a good entree with some protein in it, good dessert. And after lunch, let him sleep as long as he wants to. Don't, don't even wake him up. Don't bring your problems to him. He doesn't need to be worried about that. He's got his own set of issues. Don't, don't let him... Don't stress him out even more. Just let him, let him relax. And, and you need to be intimate with him three to four times a week at least. <laughs> and she laughed like that. Uh, so You've got to step up. You've got to have a, a, a meal on the table for him at dinner time like a, like a king. I mean, he needs to be eating just uh, steak and pork chops. And, and, and the doctor said, if you'll do this for ten months... I think he'll come out on the other side better. He'll, he'll recover. But if you don't, I mean, it, it's bad news. So they ended the conversation, and, and they were on their way home, and the husband asked the wife, he said, well, what did the doctor say? I mean, you didn't say much when you came out. What, what did he say? And she said, I'm sorry, but he said, you're not going to make it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, not going to make it. I ain't trying to do all that stuff for you. I don't know if that's covenant relationship or not, but, you know, she, she wasn't playing. She wasn't about to do all that stuff. So when we look at the, at the Bible, we, we know it's divided into two sections, right? you got the Old Testament, 
and then the New Testament. The Old Testament represents God's old covenant with Israel. It was, he was trying to have relationship with them, but it wouldn't work. They were all the time just, if, if it was like a marriage relationship, they're constantly cheating on him, just walking away, just leaving him in high and dry, just walking out on him. And God realizes, I've got to do something different. And so he created the, a new covenant. And we'll read about that in just a second. So the New Testament is the new covenant. And, and let's take a look at some comparisons real quick here. Like the Old Testament was written on stone tablets. Remember the Ten Commandments? That was the, that's the Old Covenant. But the New Covenant is written right here on our hearts, the Bible says. It's in us. Man, we don't have to. We get to. That's the, that's the difference. It's not duty. It's relationship. And that's the Old Covenant was rules and religion. You better do this or you, you, you're going to go to hell. I mean, that's the way I grew up was in that Old Covenant like a... Well, you better, not, uh, you better not drink, smoke, or chew, or run with girls that do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was that kind of life. The, the, the old covenant rules relationship, but the new covenant is about, it was rules and religion. The new covenant is relationship. Man, I love this. I get to do this. The old covenant was like you had to pay for your sin every year. You had to provide sacrifice, or you, you weren't forgiven. You, you had to do everything just right. But the new covenant, Jesus paid the sacrifice one time and for all. Once and for all, he paid the sacrifice. So Jeremiah 31, chapter 31, verse 31, kind of sets this up and shows God's talking about this new covenant. And he says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. We've tried the old covenant. It's not working. I'm going to make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. And this covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them out of Egypt. Not that one. No, they broke that one. Though I loved them as a husband. See, there, there that is. I treated them like, a, like they were my wife. I loved them. I treated them well. But they walked away from it. They broke it. Verse 33 says, This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. I will put my instructions deep with them in their heart. They'll love me because they want to, not because I'm, they have to, not because I make them, right? I will write it on their hearts. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. We'll be in relationship. We'll love each other. And, and they will not need to teach their neighbors or need to, to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. No, for everyone from the least to the greatest, they'll already know me. I, I was thinking about that. How would they know him? Because of our lives, because, the, because of our relationship with God, they'll look at our lives and go, oh, I, I know who God is. I don't have a relationship. I know him, though, because I can see him in that person. And, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I'll never again remember their sins. Hey, that's good news right there. That's the new covenant that he told us about. And Jesus was the fulfillment of the new covenant, right? Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, like to make it new, to complete it. All right, so let's take a look at this real quick. Luke chapter 22, verse 20 says this, talking about covenant here. But before we go there, I, I, I got to let me re, retract my steps a little bit because when, when I read this, go back to Jeremiah 31, please. When I read this here, this, this new covenant, it, it shows me that, that God realized his old covenant wasn't working and he had to do something different. And I just want to say to some of you today, like, maybe you need to renew a covenant in your marriage or in your friendship or a relationship. Maybe, maybe you've been trying to do things the old way, and it's just not working. 
Man, you've bring, been bringing up the past and trying to make him change, but that's not going to work. You're, you're, you're trying to drive looking in the rear view at what happened. For some of you, maybe you're, maybe you're making your spouse pay the price for something they did years ago, and it's, it's not going to happen. You're not going to have a healthy relationship because you're constantly bringing up everything in the past. And so it, maybe it's time to, just, time to just start fresh and anew with a new covenant. So Jesus was the fulfillment of the new covenant, and he said this in Luke chapter 22. He said, in the same way, after, this, after the supper, they're at the, this is the very last supper Jesus had with his, his disciples, and he's, he has the cup of wine in his hand, and he says, this cup is the new covenant, it's symbolic. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So I want you to notice, he says, uh, blood and covenant. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? And I'm, I'm not going to try to go too deep here, but that, that's a theological term that just represents, it's just saying that the, the greatest, the, the, most, the strongest relationships that we can have is blood and covenant, is, is a blood relationship. It's a blood relationship that we can have with each other. That's why uh, we say blood is thicker than water. You know, blood, families stick together, right? Blood is thicker than water. It's why a spouse will, will do anything in the world for their kids, but not their mate. Because it's, it's like we look at our kids and we say, well, that's my flesh and blood, but he's crazy. <laughs> and we're not blood. You know, that's my blood. We're not blood. We, we just, we married into this. Or why a, a husband might say, you know what I'm saying? We, we do that. We, we treat it like that. Or this is, these are my kids right here. I love them. They're, they're my everything. They're my offspring. They're my flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. They're my everything. But, man, not her. She's, she's, in other words, we're saying she's disposable, right? Because she's not my flesh and blood. But these kids are. They, they are. And so that's, that's interesting that we would look at things like that. And we might not do it aware, but we, we do. We think of it like that. The word covenant actually means to cut. So when we're talking about a covenant relationship, think about uh, the old days and in, in the, the Bible days. They would actually cut their, their, the fat part of their thumb when they made a covenant, when they went into an agreement with somebody. They would cut this part, and then they would take some ash and rub it into the cut so that it would heal darker. It would make a dark scar. And then everybody knew I'm in covenant with somebody. Some cultures, they would cut right down the palm. They would slice right down the palm, and they would commingle their blood, which is not recommended, but they would they'd do that, right? And, and they were literally saying, we're blood relatives now. Some cultures would wrap something around their, their hand. I guess they figured out, it's not a good idea. And uh, they would wrap some, a cloth around their hand, and they would put their hands together to symbolize, we're blood relatives now. In other words, they're saying, this isn't a contract. This isn't a 90-day money-back guarantee. We're just going to try it out for a little bit, you know, just a you know, zero payment down kind of thing. No, this is not a test of our relationship. We're committed. We're in it to win it. We're going to stick this thing out. We're going to stay together. So that's what the word covenant means. And by the way, that's how God sees you. He sees you as a blood relative. You are his offspring. You aren't can I just tell you, you're not disposable to God. Isn't that good news? He doesn't go, 
oh man, what a, what a joker. It, no, I'm done with you. No, he, 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 no, you're not disposable to God. He, I'll say it this way. He loved you before you loved him. He wasn't waiting to see if you would love him first. Well, let me just see if this guy really means what he said. No, he loved you before you even loved him. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of relationship we're talking about today. And he's going to be faithful with you no matter what you've ever done. That's good news right there. He is faithful to you. So in our first year of marriage, Annalise and I, it, it was a struggle bus in our first year. I mean, we, there's this poet that says it was the best of times and it was the worst of ever. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? It was the best of times, but it was the worst of times. We got married in 03. Two months after we got married, we moved to Alabama. We're on staff at this church, and things are well, but we're in a new city with new people, and we don't have a lot of friends, and we've left everything, and, and it's stressful. And, and then on top of that, Annalise finds out that I have a problem looking at pornography. And it devastated her. She wanted out. I'm telling you, she was done. She wanted to move back home. She didn't want to be around me. She, this is not what I signed up for is what she's thinking. I didn't sign up for this. You, you, you know, you, you've hidden all this from me. And so she didn't leave. She stuck it out. What she realized was that relational covenant uh, isn't needed when everything's going well. Remember, we talked about that last week. Relational covenant isn't needed when everything's just going perfect. No, relational covenant is needed the most when things are falling apart. That's when you need somebody is on your worst day. I'm gonna, can I say it again? Thank you, Melanie. I'm going to just talk, preach right over here to you because you, you're with me today. <laughs> Listen, you, we, we, we need somebody on our worst day. That's when we need somebody. And, and what happens is in life, we just tend to just kind of, we, we run. We got this fight or flight mentality. And a lot of us, when we, when we face something, uh, a struggle, when we face something difficult, we go, huh, I'm out. That's not for me. That's on you. Right? And, and we leave. And, and so we have to remember relational covenant is needed when things are falling apart. So God talks about covenant. Uh, it's his way. And then contract is the world's way. So God's way is covenant. The world's way is contract. So let's, talk, let's compare that real quick. Let's just look at God's way versus the world's way. In your notes, God's way, a covenant, is based on a mutual commitment. Like you're in this together. You're making the commitment together. I'll say it this way. You can't even have a commitment if both parties don't agree. If only one party's in agreement, you don't have a commitment. You don't have a covenant at all. See, commitment means that you're willing to be unhappy while you work it out. I don't like it, but I'm, gonna, I'm willing to stick this through. I'm, I'm willing to be unhappy. It means that you're going to give up your right to be right. And nobody said amen on that one. Because we all like to be right. We like to have the, the last word. We want, we want to have the final word. I've got the final say. No, but sometimes we have to give up our right to be right. That'll solve a lot of problems right there. I'll just tell you right now. That's what commitment is. It's a mutual, uh, it's a mutual commitment. Covenant is a mutual commitment. On the other hand, contract is based on mutual distrust. Where I'm just going in this thing. 
just believing that you're going to let me down. Have you ever read a contract before? I mean, you, you sign them all the time when you're online and that little box pops up that says you need to agree to the terms and you don't read it, you just scroll all the way to the bottom. You have no idea what you're agreeing to. Nobody's going to sit there and read that stuff, right? We agree to contracts all the time, but if you've ever read a contract, you know that it, there's no language in it about you being faithful to the contract. It's not like, hey, if you make all of your payments for a year straight, we're going to make your 13th payment for you. No, it doesn't exist in the contract. It's like, if you don't make your payment, we're taking your house. This is what's going to happen if you don't do what you're supposed to do. So they're protecting themselves, and and that's what a contract is. Contracts are built on the fact that you're probably going to mess up, and when you do, the other person just wants to make sure they're okay. And unfortunately, that's the way we view relationships now. We go into relationships with this contract like, I'm, I'm just protecting myself so that if you screw up, then I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to be okay. I'm not out, right? That's, that's our mindset. And, and so we, we do have a contract in, uh, in most of our marriage vows. We have these vows and we say, for better or for worse, till death do us part. That's the one that's the one term in our contract, in our, in our weddings, that I'm not going anywhere unless I die, unless you die. I'm, 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 I'm going to be faithful. I'm, I'm not, nothing's going to change unless death happens. It's saying, um, it's saying I'm not going to leave you, but I might kill you, right? Because <laughs> there are days when you feel like that. There's days when you just want to. I mean, you, that, that is contract. Okay, uh, number two, the second, this is God's way. Covenant is God's way. It surrenders rights and assumes responsibilities. When you enter to a covenant, you're saying, I don't have any rights. We're, we're, the two become what? One. That's what happens. The two become one in relationship, in marriage. And so I'm giving up my rights, and I'm going to take on responsibility. You don't go into relationships thinking what the other person can do for you. Like, if you're not married, if you're single here today and, and you gauge, like, how, if you love somebody based on them doing something for you, then you don't love them. Because if you love them, then, then it's all about you serving them. You, you want to make them happy. But if it's all about them making you happy, then that's not love. That's just selfishness. And I'll save you a few years of hard, hard, heartache right there. So you just know you go into a covenant with, I'm serving you, I'm surrendering my rights, go into relationships with that mindset of serving, and if you're serving them, then it's going to be much more difficult for them to take advantage of you. When you willingly give yourself away, they can't take anything from you because you're giving it. You're giving it away, right? So that's, that's covenant. On the other hand, the world's way is a contract, and, and contracts protect rights, and, res- and they shirk responsibility. I don't, that's not my fault, that kind of language. Like, not my problem, that's on you. You should have done this, you should have done that. It's not my problem, that's, that's on you. And, and it says, I have to protect, I have to make sure I'm covered in case you mess up in some kind of way. So the third one, this, this is God's way. This covenant, number three, has the interest of the other in mind. So when, when you're living out God's way, you're thinking about the other person. You're, 
you're looking for ways to serve. We, we kind of mentioned that just then, but you're thinking about them. You're believing the best. You're seeking the best. You're speaking the best about them. And the greatest relationships in the world are the ones where two servants are in love with one another. That's the greatest relationship in the world, but the most destructive relationship in the world is when two masters are in love. Man, you're butting heads all the time and no, I'm right. No, you're right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, no, no. And it's all about me and and you being right and, and, and just dominance. No, you got, there's got to be some servanthood in your marriage. So you, you have to go in with the interest of the other person in mind. But the world says, the contract says, it's all about personal convenience. Oh, what's in it for me, right? What's in it for me? Have you ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I am a man of constant sorrow. I've seen trouble all my days. It's been six long years. I've been a stranger. I've just, I don't, sorry. I'm not. All right. So, and oh, brother, where art thou? Uh, Pete and his friends are breaking out of jail, and they end up over at Pete's cousin's house. Now, Pete's cousin, I can't remember his name, but he, he, he says to the boys, he says uh, that his wife has just R-U-N-N-O-F-T. She's run off. She's run off. And, uh, and so he puts them up in his barn for the night. Well, the bounty hunter comes to, to take uh, these guys back to prison, and Pete's cousin turns him in. Well, th- this, is, this is the world's view right here. The world's view says, I got to look out for me and mine. Well, Pete's cousin says, I'm sorry, Pete. I've got to look out for me and mine. Right? That's what he I got to look out for me. I, I, I know you're in a tough spot right now, but they offered me some money, so I'm just going to go ahead and turn you in. The right thing to do, by the way, in that situation. But, hey, I'm, i got to look out for me. It's all about me. It's my convenience. It's about what's going on in my life. I'm not worried about anything else, anybody else. And, and it, it's never, it never feels good. Listen to me. I know it doesn't feel good when you're going through rough stuff. I get it. But check this out. If we want the power of God to work in our lives, then we can't think through the lens of convenience about what's best for me. Because it's only convenient when you get what you want. It's only convenient when you get what you want, not when something's going good for anybody else. No, it's all about you. It's selfishness. So we have to think through the lens of covenant, like I'm going to serve somebody else. I'm going to serve my spouse, my husband, my wife. So, yeah, Ben, this is great, man. Love it. Good teaching, but uh, it's not doable. You can't do this. You can't live this covenant life that you're talking about. And I would say that you are absolutely right if you try to do it on your own. You can't do it in your own power. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. You, you have to make some choices. So I'm going to give you two things that will fuel the ability to do, to do this, to live in covenant. These two things will, if you do these two things, I'll make you this promise, it will fuel the ability to be in covenant in every relationship that matters to you. I promise you. So we, what we have to do is we have to renew some commitments today. We're going to renew commitments in our lives, in our marriages, our families, our kids, and our church. Okay? And our church. 
I believe that, that God's calling us to just go a little bit deeper. Be, be committed. And listen to me. If you've had a failed marriage, I want to take just a moment and tell you this message is not a message of condemnation for you. I want you to get that. Well, you're just another preacher just like the rest of them, always preaching down. No. Hey, my mom was married four times, twice divorced. My stepdad was married three times, twice divorced. I came from a blended family. My dad had a, a son that we never even knew about, like never met him. I, like my family's just as jacked up as anybody else's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I'm, there's no condemnation here. I want you to get that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to help us out today. So don't think about that. If you've been through a failed marriage, the best is yet to come. You are forgiven. Look ahead and not in the rear view. Right? You're healed in Jesus' name. There's a future. There's a hope. We're not trying to unscramble eggs and tell you you got to go back and do it. No. There's, the best days are ahead. But we do have to make some choices about being in covenant from this day forward. Right? We're going to do things different from this, from this time on. And so I'm even talking about that in marriage, family, children, your church. I'll make you this promise, that if you dive in wholeheartedly to what God's doing at City Hope, and it doesn't even have to be here, do it at any other church, but if you will commit, if you'll be in church on the weekends, if you'll get on the dream team and start serving God through the local church, if you'll get in a small group, if you'll go through the growth track, if you'll give regularly, I promise you a year from now you'll look back and go, who was that guy? It's not the same me. I'm complete. I promise you it'll be different when you commit in a covenant style, right? So these two things will fuel your ability to, to live in covenant. Number one is this. You've got to know that love is not a feeling. It is a choice. You've got to choose to love. It's not a feeling. You're choosing to love. So you think about it like this. Like I'm, I'm amazed at the number of people who qualify their lives based on how they feel. Man, I'm having a bad day. It's just, just the worst day I could ever have. Everything's going wrong, and you just you wake up feeling bad, and so the rest of the day, like nothing good can happen. There's, there's, there's no silver lining. There's, it's always negativity like because we feel bad. But I'm telling you, our feelings will lie to us. If I followed my feelings, I wouldn't be your pastor. Hey, Because feelings lie to us. I was thinking about some songs this week that talk about feelings. Elton John saying, Can you feel the love tonight? Some of you are going, I hadn't felt the love in 12 years. Man, I don't. You just, you don't feel it, right? It doesn't mean it's not there. You just don't feel it. Um, Tom Petty. He, he said, You don't know how it feels. You don't know how it feels. You don't know how it feels to be me. That's one of the biggest lies the devil will ever send your way. He'll tell you that nobody else in all of creation has ever dealt with what you are dealing with. That's what the devil does. He says, in all of the world, all 6,000 years of it, all the billions of people who've ever walked the face of this earth, no one has ever done what you've done. No one has ever been in the position you're in, and so you go, well, you just don't know how I feel. Well, yeah, I do, actually. So many of us do. We know, we know where you're at. We know how you feel. So Tom Petty was wrong. We, we know. We get it, right? But then Aretha Franklin. 
You make me feel like a natural woman. Hey, so, some of you ladies go, I hadn't felt like a natural woman, and I don't know how long. I just, you just don't feel it. Doesn't mean it's not true. You just, like, feelings lie to us. They do. So, we, we can't qualify our lives based on feelings. That's why we can't, we, love doesn't give a person what they deserve. It gives them what they need. I'm going to say that again. Love does not give a person what they deserve. It gives them what they need. Annalise, when she could have left me and said, you're on your own. I didn't sign up for this. I'm done. Peace. Out of here. No, she stuck with it. She committed. She was in a covenant, and she gave me what I needed. She gave me somebody on my worst day. You know what I mean? She gave me somebody on my worst day. And I'm telling you, you need somebody on your worst day, and you need to be there for somebody on their worst day. You do. We need that in our lives. So it looks more like this in, in, first, uh, in Colossians, actually. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, this is, how we, this is how we do it. It may seem impossible. It may seem like we can't do this. I can't love like that, Ben. I, I, can't, I, can't, I know it's a choice, but listen... Over all these things, you've got to put on love. It's a choice. You wear it like you, a, a, you do a jacket. It's like putting on this jacket. You have to put it on because the feelings may never come. Uh, choices lead, feelings follow. You choose to love, and what it does is it binds everything together in perfect unity when you put on love like that. So that, that's covenant. We've got, we got to lean into that. You may not feel it. But you put it on anyway. And then the second thing that will fuel this, your ability to, to be in covenant is to know this, that your capacity to love comes from receiving love. You, you know, it's amazing to me that we get, when we receive Christ, when we start living for Jesus, and we say, man, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, so many times we can just kind of puff up a little bit, turn our nose up. At least I'm not like that guy. At least I'm not like her. And we forget that we needed his love so bad ourselves. That fuels your ability to love somebody else on their worst day. Because God loved you on your worst day. God loved you when, when you were unlovable. He loved you. And you have to remember that you needed it yourself. John says it this way in 1 John. He says, we love each other, not because we had everything right, but because he loved us first. We didn't have to prove ourselves to God. No, he loved us first. So I was thinking about that this week, about my own life, and how like the chances are you probably have pastors, people who work in church, on a, like you put them on a pedestal and you think too high of pastors. And can I tell you, we're just human, just like everybody else. We have our own set of struggles, our own set of challenges. We don't have it all together. We're still, we're learning and growing just like you. We're all in the same boat. And I was thinking about that in my own life. And the, one of the reasons why I've wanted a church like City Hope and why I love you, why I love this city, why I love this church is because I need it myself. I need this myself. You need it, and I need it. 
We need it together. When you think about Jesus, and on his worst day, they were spitting in his face. They were crucifying him. They were nailing him to a cross. He was forgiving them on his worst day. When, when, they, were, when they were plucking out his beard and, and beating him, he was loving them. When they were mocking him, he was forgiving them. And then I think about my own life, and when I'm doing something that displeases God, and when I've messed up and I've blown it, and I don't feel worthy, he's already forgiven me. Because of the new covenant. He's already forgiven me. And he's standing there with arms open wide. He said, Ben, man, you you messed up again, didn't you? There's no condemnation in his voice. There's no guilt. Hey, you messed up again, didn't you? Come on. Get back up. Let's do this. Okay, Ben, you've never needed me more than you need me right now. But I've never loved you more than I love you right now. On our worst days. He loves us. On your worst day, He loves you. We need somebody for our worst day. So this is my prayer over you today. I'm just going to read this prayer from from Ephesians chapter 3. This is my prayer for you today. I pray that Christ will become more and more at home in your heart. And you'll just make room for Him, that Jesus would be Lord, that as He lives within you, that you trust Him more. You lean into purpose, that, that your roots would grow deep and the soil... Your roots would just, they would just like sink so deep in the soil of his marvelous love that you would be able to feel. I know we don't run on feelings, but it sure is nice to feel what we're running on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, it's to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, how high his love is for you. And that we could experience his love. I, I want you to experience his love, church. I want you to know it. I want you to know at the end of the day, I have received his love. And I won't ever look at somebody else again with my nose turned up because I've been there myself. I've been there myself. Amen. I'm just going to keep, I'm, I'm, you, can, you can close your eyes and, and just bow your head. I'm going to pray for you real quick and then we're going to close out. God, I'm praying right now for this church, for, for City Hope Church. Lord, I'm asking that you help us to know you in such a deeper way, God, that we would know the love that you have for us, that you're not judgmental, that that you're not an iron-fisted ruler and you're just waiting for us to mess up. No, that's not you. You're standing there with your arms open wide. You're on the front porch looking out, wondering if today is the day somebody will come home. Lord, That's we lean into that love today. We need it on our worst day. And God, we need to be there for somebody else on their worst day. That's covenant. That's covenant. Lord, we ask you today that you give us the capacity to love the unlovable, including our spouse, including our children, people around us, our friends, family, whoever has hurt us. God, we're asking you to give us that ability and capacity to love. And church, if you're sitting by your spouse today, I'd love you to just take take them by the hand, and I'm going to pray for your marriage. Lord, for every marriage that's represented here today, I'm asking that you give them capacity to love one another through the hard times. It's not always rainbows, God. It's not always roses. It's going to be difficult sometimes, but I'm praying that you give them the ability to love through hard times. 
Lord, don't even let divorce be an option in that home. God, we thank you that you're able to heal every broken part, every broken marriage, every broken dream, every broken uh, uh, vow. Lord, you're able to bring healing and restoration and peace and reconciliation. You're able to restore what the enemy has stolen in those marriages. And I thank you that you are bringing them back together in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for singles that are here today, those who are single again. Lord, maybe they're in the dating uh, game or the, the engagement process, wherever they are. Lord, I'm asking you to just encourage them today to, re- to remember to be Mr. Right, to be Mrs. Right, and not to worry about finding Mr. or Mrs. Right, that they would just focus on developing a relationship with you and being the, the man or woman of God that you've called them to be, that they would lean in to who you want them to be. And Lord, you'll send all the right places. You'll send all the right pieces into place. and You'll develop them into, into the disciple, the man and woman of God you've called them to be. I thank you that you're surrounding us with covenant relationships. God, we all need somebody for our worst day. We all need somebody to lift us up, to encourage us. And, Lord, we we need to be that somebody for for somebody else. We need to be that person in a covenant relationship who says, I'm not going anywhere. We thank you for that, Jesus.